So Father, we thank you this morning for your presence all over this place. I thank you for the privilege, the honor of being able to gather together by at the time this morning and to give it to you. Thank you for loving us first and this morning we love you back. Thank you for giving your precious blood on Calvary. Thank you that we have hope, an eternal hope, not just in the heavens but here on earth as well. As we look to you this morning, Jesus, as we cast our eyes again upon you, we thank you again from the bottom of our hearts for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for the good work you've begun in all of us and will begin in people this morning. A new work you'll begin in new believers this morning. I pray, Father, this morning that your word will come and it'll be like a seed and it'll fall into good ground. And as it falls into the soil of your children's hearts, may it take root and may it grow and may it develop up into a large and a huge tree. And may many people come in the years ahead and rest upon the revelation that your children will carry because of your goodness. Thank you, Father, for the call. Thank you for the purpose of the call. That we're not just here to abide time and then to go to be with you one day, but while we are here, Father, we walk and we live by purpose. Thank you this morning for every single life in this place. We place every situation at your feet. We praise every circumstance. We bring every mind, every thought. We bring it under subjection of your word this morning. We say, speak to us like only you can in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you pray that, if you believe that this morning, I want you to put your hands together and I want you to give Jesus one more shout of praise all over this place. Come on, give me one more shout of praise all over this place. Amen, amen, amen. Do me a favor if you will. If you will, for a moment, just turn to somebody. If you've got a brother next to you, give that brother a nice big bear hug. You know a bear hug, if you're okay with that. Give your sister a bear hug. Give your brother a bear hug. Come on, welcome somebody. Hug them. Say, hey man, great to see you. Great that you're in church this morning. Great to have you here. Make somebody feel special this morning. Come on, smile at somebody today and make them feel welcome this morning. Great to have you in the house of God today. Thank you for taking the time to be with us this morning in this warm and beautiful sunny Cape Town as we are celebrating a great day in the house. Amen. If you're here for the first time this morning, I want to welcome you. Thank you for taking the time to be in God's house. Always great to have first-time visitors in church. Thank you for buying out the time to be with us. We know we, and we believe that God is going to speak to you specifically. So will you do me a favor, family, those online this morning, those in the auditorium, put your hands together and welcome every first-time visitor with us today. Come on and make them feel special. Make them feel welcome. If you're watching us online this morning, share the link if you can. And we're going to have a great time in God's presence. Amen. Are you ready for the word this morning? We are continuing our series, the gospel series. And I trust that you are learning and receiving and growing in your faith. And we are understanding that we are here for a life of purpose. Amen. Not just to take uh, up oxygen and then to go to be with in heaven one day. But we are yet to make a difference in our lives. This morning I want to speak to us about the perfect gospel. But I want to just remind those that haven't been with us over the last few weeks. That we've been talking about the gospel series and that the gospel is a good gospel, can you say amen? The Spirit of God, Jesus said, Luke 4:18, has come upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news. So as a born-again believer that we are now in Christ, the Bible says the same Spirit, the same anointing is upon you and I. And so we have been anointed, we have been filled with the Holy Spirit to preach good news. We are not judgmental, uh, bony-fingered Christians who find, try to find sin in everybody. Because the Bible said, all have sinned and all fall short of the glory. So before you want to take the splinter out of your brother's eye or sister's eye, the Bible says take the plank out of your own eye. And so we have to preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope for humanity. The Bible says the gospel is good news to the poor, and the gospel is good news to those that have broken hearts. The gospel is good news. If your heart is broken this morning, 
through something that has taken place in your life, I want to say to you and remind you that the gospel is good news. That heart of yours will be healed very soon. Can you say amen this morning? But the gospel is an overcoming gospel. It's a gospel that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the, the, the faith, or this is what overcomes the world, is our faith. So this is how we overcome the world, is through our faith. So our faith in Christ, our faith in the, the message of Jesus is how we overcome. I have overcome the world, says Jesus. And because we're in Christ, we now too overcome. But the gospel also is a sacrificial gospel. As much as what we sacrifice for Christ, the greatest sacrifice given to any human being is the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. For without the sacrifice of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. That's what gives Christianity hope. The resurrection life. Christ died. Christ was buried, Christ rose, and Christ ascended to the right hand of His Father. We celebrated Ascension Day this last week. But Christ rose, He's alive. Our God is alive. Every other religion, I don't criticize them, every other religion's faith or their founders or whatever, whoever founded that faith, has, their bones are still in the grave. But our, our tomb is empty, amen. Why? Because Jesus sacrificed His blood for us. That is good news this morning, amen. And as much as what we sacrifice and will continue to sacrifice, we sacrifice proportionately. Some of our money we give to uh, the church, the tithe. Proportionate sacrifice. But Christ gave every single thing to Him. And I want to say to you this morning that the gospel message is not a behavior change message. The gospel message is not a sin management message. So many people think the gospel is sin management. So many people think the gospel is behavior change. Yes, your behavior will change. But the gospel ultimately is an identity change message. For behold, anyone who is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So your identity changes in Christ. You're not a version 2.0 of the old you. I'm not Aiden 2.0. Although my South African ID number is X and my name is in the records of this government's books. Yes, I'm born in this country. I'm a South African citizen. So in the world, I'm known by the systems of our government. But in heaven, I'm also known by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I have a new identity. Amen. It's because your identity precedes your destiny. If you don't know who you are, you don't know whose you are, you're going to live a life as if you always are not good enough for God. You're going to live a life of always being under the hammer of guilt and condemnation. And the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if you're in Christ this morning, you have a new identity. Let me tell you a little bit about what your identity is this morning. Your identity tells you, the Bible says that you are now a saint and not a sinner. But pastor, I'm still sinning at times. I didn't ask you what your external behavior was like. I want to tell you this morning what your identity is, how heaven sees you. You have been made righteous. You are justified this morning. You are delivered. You are more than a conqueror. You are sanctified. You are blameless. You are anointed. You are accepted. You are alive. You are holy. You are complete. And you are forgiven this morning. Pastor, I don't feel any of those things. I didn't ask you what you feel. I, I told you who you are. Because the Bible says when you are in Christ, you get a new identity. Can you say amen this morning? So if I use this example last week, we have this little simple analogy. It's a book. And if the book represents Christ, and this page, is, I was outside of this, this book before I got saved. You're either in Adam or you're either in Christ. Let me say that again. The Bible says you're either in Adam, you are born into a world of sin. And that's the news this morning. This is not even your fault. How's that for, uh, for an for a, 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 a eye-opener this morning? Your sin nature is not even your fault. Your sin nature was created by Adam. And I'll show you that in a moment. But the Bible says every human being, despite the religion, despite the color, despite the language, despite the culture, despite the creed, 
despite the country you live in. Every human being this morning that's not in Christ is in Adam. And the Bible says anyone who is in Adam is going to die on this earth and remain here. That's why we have the church of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the good news of the gospel. That is why we are called and sent into the highways and the byways to tell people about this greatest message that without the forgiveness of the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no reconciliation with God and man. So when we lost in the Garden of Eden, we regained in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says now when you are a believer, that's what it is. You are simply a believer in Christ. When you believe the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are now placed into Christ. So you come out of Adam. I came out of Adam. My name is Aiden. Sometimes I get accounts from companies and they also call me Adam. But that's not the Adam that I'm speaking about this morning. But I, I was saved on the 31st of May, 1992. I was a young sinner. I was born uh, by, uh, through the, the, the bloodline of my family. Bernard and June Jeffrey are my natural parents. And although they meant good and they did well for us as children, the best they could as parents can in the natural, I was born into Adam, the sin nature of Adam. And I was born there. And then on the 31st of May, 1992, I gave my life to Christ. He called me, he chose me. You cannot save yourself. You cannot call yourself. He calls, he chooses. And when you believe in the gospel message of Jesus Christ and you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, the Bible says you are placed in Adam. And bam, I get placed into Adam. And whatever is in Adam is now in me. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Oh yeah, this morning. And I say this to us as we go through the series because I want you to understand that the gospel message is not a message of behavior change. Yes, when I got saved, I stopped doing certain things that I didn't do. But guess what? I still did a lot of things that I used to do when I was unsaved. And now we start having this battle about, I, I, I thought that when I get saved, I should stop doing those things. So your identity has changed. Sometimes your behavior doesn't change immediately because the Bible says what? The Bible says God begins a good work in you. So it's not a bad work He begins, but who begins the work? He begins the work. And sometimes we think we have to begin the work. No, we believe and then He begins the work. And as we let Him work more and more in us, He starts to break down some of those barriers, some of those mindsets, some of those limitations, and He starts to put a kingdom perspective into you. You start to see things from a different perspective. Can you say amen this morning? And so this morning I want to talk to us about the perfect gospel. We are talking about the perfect gospel because sometimes as born-again believers... We believe that we have to live these perfect lives. And I'm yet to give you some good news this morning. No, you don't have to live these perfect lives because the gospel is a perfect gospel. Matthew chapter 19 verse 16, the Bible says, Now behold, one came to him saying, Good teacher, what good, shall I, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? The question every human asks himself most days, Am I going to go to heaven? What happens after this life? What is the meaning of life? I mean, people have written books about man's search for meaning. People have written books about so many things. How to find purpose on here on this earth. How to improve yourself. The self-help industry is one of the biggest industries on the planet. Not against it. I'm just saying man has this inherent nature to try and find their meaning on this earth. Why am I alive? Why is the suicide rate so high amongst young uh, millennials or young Gen Zs, Gen Ys in the, in the last while? It's because they don't understand why they're on this earth. They don't think there's a reason for them to be here. Someone's lied to them, be it social media, be it circumstances, be it situations. They don't understand that when they are in Christ, their identity changes. And sometimes they make a mistake or sometimes something happens to them or they go through some trial or tribulation 
And they think, well, maybe God's trying to punish me to teach me a lesson. Maybe God's trying to take things away from me to try and humble me. Maybe we have all these, these challenges in our heads and our hearts because we don't understand the identity change that happens at salvation. Can you say amen this morning? So he says what? He says verse 17. So he said to him, why do you call me good? Because a Jew thought that if they kept the, the law of Moses perfectly, they were good people. So a Jew believed, remember I spoke to us the last few weeks, the gospel has two sides. It has the unfinished conversations that Jesus has with Jews. Most of the conversations Jesus has in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are with Jewish people. Now, the publisher of your Bible decided to put the little page in between Malachi and Matthew, and he called it the New Testament. So the New Testament begins at Matthew, but the New Covenant begins at Calvary. Let me say that again. The New Testament begins at Matthew, but the New Covenant begins at Calvary, when Christ said, it is finished. What was finished? Everything he said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to the Jews. So he fulfilled the law through what he said. I haven't come to remove this law. I've come to fulfill it. Did you know that the law of Moses or the law of God, it's a perfect law. The law of God is perfect. Imagine if we had no adultery on the planet. Imagine if we had no murder on the planet. Imagine if we had this, if there was no, you shall, thou shalt not steal. Imagine if we had no theft. Our insurance industry wouldn't exist. Amen. The insurance and guys are getting a bit nervous this morning. We invented a whole industry because of the fallen nature of humanity. They steal. And Jesus said the thief comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why when you leave home in the morning, you've got remotes and gates and alarms and fences and shock. Well, I don't know if your electric fence works, if it's load shedding. You have to make another plan for that. And we've even experienced that. The guys are getting so clever now in load shedding, they're breaking in because the electric fences aren't working. So man has this inherent nature to want to do wrong. Why? Because Adam and Eve sold us out in the Garden of Eden. What did they do? They said, well, they weren't, they weren't settled in being enough. They, didn't, they thought they weren't, they weren't complete in the Garden of Eden. You see, when they were in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that God made man and he put him in a garden. The Bible says he walked around with God. The Bible said he was at one with God. God wasn't in him. God was with him. Christ was with him in the Garden of Eden. Because John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. Nothing that was made was made without him. So Christ was in the beginning with his father. So Christ was with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But the Bible says, God said, enjoy, rest in this great place of your purpose on this earth. And along comes the enemy and he tells them they're not good enough. He tells them they're not complete. He tells them that what God had done for them and through them was not enough. And he tries to sell them the sales pitch of self-improvement. Now don't mistake this morning improving your knowledge in your career to get an increase in your salary. I'm not talking about your natural career and skilling yourself. I wrote a whole book called Born to Prosper because you have to advance on this earth. I'm speaking about your salvation, your right standing with God this morning. And Adam and Eve are deceived. And what is the greatest sin in the Bible is unbelief. They did not believe that what God had given them in the Garden of Eden was enough. And now along comes Christ, what we lost in the Garden of Eden He goes and He regains for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. And He goes through the toils and the struggles and the strife. And He endures the the, the need to want to run away almost from the cross. And He goes to Calvary and He sheds His blood. And now it is finished. And now it has been restored to us. We now are walking in the inheritance of Christ. 
Yet sometimes when Christians are born again and they're saved and they get involved in the church, no one tells them their new identity in Christ. And so the enemy comes like in the Garden of Eden and he tells you as a Christian, you're not enough. He tells you as a Christian, you must keep improving yourself. He tells a Christian, when you make a mistake, you're going to slide out of God's good books and you must go and grovel back for your salvation, back to God. And I want to tell you this morning that God does not expect you to be perfect because He became a perfect sacrifice for you. Are you here this morning? Stop thinking that you're not enough. I'm here to tell you this morning that you are enough. Why? Because you're in Adam. You're in Christ, I mean. You're in Christ. And behold, anyone who is in Christ becomes a new creation. And this young businessman comes to Jesus, a young Jewish businessman. And he says, good master, because he believes that what he has to do is be perfect under this heavy weight of the law of Moses. What must I do? What must I do? That's most Christians believe. What must I do? Now, I'm not speaking about being saved unto good works. Once we are saved, we do good things. We reach our world. We change our world. I'm not speaking about that this morning. I'm speaking about sometimes we feel we're not good enough for God, so we must still do something to make God love us, to make God like us, to make God accept us, to make God not punish us. We don't understand what Calvary really meant. We don't understand that God put all of sin upon His Son at Calvary, that He punished His Son. The Bible says, He who knew no sin, God made Him to become sin. So every time you sin, guess what? Jesus is standing in the place of that sin because He became sin. The Bible says He became the propitiation for your sin. He became the substitute for your sin. doesn't make sense to us because we are so taught, I must still, I must still, I must still. And here comes this young Jewish businessman and he says to Jesus, what must I do? Because that's how he grew up. He grew up saying, you must do something to be accepted by God. You must keep these laws in perfection. So what does Jesus do? He tells this Jewish man what he knows. He says, well, listen, let's pick up the story. He says, so he says to him, verse 17, why do you call me good? No one is good but the one that is God. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He says, you're a Jew. Do what Jews do. Keep those commandments of Moses. Keep the law. He says, that's what you're supposed to do. So he says to him, which ones? He says, Jesus says to him, well, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your mother and father, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, think about that. Imagine if we had the perfection of that last law of Moses. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What a peaceful place the planet would be if everyone would just do what the Lord tells them to do. Just love your neighbor as yourself. If you look in the mirror this morning, you go, hey, Rambo, we're going to conquer this day. Well, love your neighbor like you love yourself in that mirror in the morning. Ladies, I know sometimes it takes you four days to put your makeup on. I understand that. You take a long time. The Bible says, ladies, love your neighbor like you take time to put your makeup on. I mean, how much time do you take to put your makeup on? Days. Yet, as women, we can become catty with somebody else. As a man, they go to gym all day. I mean, by the way, I identify as thin. I'm now translender. Amen. I can identify. I have a new identity. I'm thin. I'm translender. Some of you will get that next week. Look at the world today. The world is grappling with identity. 
Who am I? Am I male? Am I female? Am I this? Am I that? Am I, am I, now, I mean, people tell me now that you can't greet people in a certain way. What is your pronoun? I don't know what my pronoun is. I just said protein. That's all I know. If meat. I'm not too clever with these things. But what is it ultimately? It's the human nature trying to grapple for identity. Did you know there's over 4,000 religions, known religions on the world today? Over 4,000 registered religions of which the big five stand out as the most followed. And guess who's on top of the big five? Christianity. We are the lions. But you know what? You don't get saved through Christianity. You get saved through Christ. You can even label it Christianity. But sometimes people don't even preach Christ in Christianity. Many people. I don't criticize because it's a religion. Christ didn't come to give us a religion. He came to give us a relationship. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And you see, we think the only way to be reconciled to God is to be perfect. I must be perfect. But Jesus said so. Jesus said so. But notice who Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to a Jew. I don't know about you, but if you were never born in Israel and you haven't got a Jewish surname, the law is not applicable to you. Why? We were taught that. In our, you know, I was in, in Sunday school. They taught me, you must follow the Ten Commandments. Well, I'm not a Jew. I mean, imagine going to a communistic country. You go to a communistic country, you follow the rules of that country. You go to another country, you follow the rules of that country. You go to Israel, you follow the rules of Jew- Judaism. We've been there on a few tours, and that's what you do. You follow their laws. So Jesus is found in this place called Israel. And now because we believe Jesus said so, we think it's applicable to us. Remember, the unfinished conversations with Jews. Jesus can't finish it yet because he hasn't died. He hasn't given his life yet. When he gives his life on this side at Calvary, the new covenant starts. The Bible says, how does somebody inherit the will? What is the will of God? Well, the will of God is Christ. Why? Because the Bible says that it pleased the Father to smite the Son, that we can have this ministry of reconciliation. We can be reconciled back to God. So the Bible says what? That while the testator is alive, Aidan Jeffrey, I'm alive right now and I have a will. So my kids will go, what is the will of dad? Well, to leave you 400 million rand. Sorry, I mean 600 million. Sorry, I mean. Somebody going, yes, yes, that was a joke. That was an example, an analogy. To leave you money. To leave you, a good man leaves an inheritance. So, but the Bible says while the testator is alive, it's just a promise. They're just living on a promise. The promise of my dad. But the Bible says when the testator dies, then the will kicks in. And now they walk in the inheritance of what I left them. Make sense? So the Bible says the same with Christ. While Christ was on the earth in your Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, He's alive. So the promises are not yet fulfilled. But the minute Christ said it is finished and He gave up His Spirit, the Bible says now the will of God is made known. You now are in the will of God. The will of God has been paid out. You now are heirs of the promise. You now walk in the inheritance. Many people say, well, one day when I die. No, now is the inheritance of Christ for you. Why? Because you are accepted. You are righteous. You are justified. You are sanctified. Why? Because anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Come on. That is some good news this morning. If I was you, I would jump to my feet and I would give Jesus a shout of praise because... You are now walking in the inheritance of Christ. Every promise is yours. 
And the young man, verse 20. So Jesus gives him six of the Ten Commandments. Pastor, I know the Ten Commandments aren't applicable anymore, but surely the moral part of the Ten Commandments. Remember, the gospel message is not a behavior change message. It's not a sin management message. Listen. All six of those commandments, go look at them. They're all there to manage Israel's behavior. Look there. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall love your mother and your neighbors yourself. They all are behavior change laws to control the behavior of Israel. And was it doing a good job? No. Why? Because when Christ finds this generation that's alive, when God sent him in the fullness of time, God sends him to the earth. The Bible says Christ finds the Jews not having these 10. They've now added 603 additional laws. Did you know that today in Israel, a Jew lives by 613 new laws? Why? Because when Moses, who wrote the first five books of your Bible, the Torah, which is the Jewish Bible, the Torah is the first five books. Moses wrote them. And by the way, Moses wrote that Moses was the most humble person ever to walk the face of the earth. And he wrote that. Isn't that good? Moses believed in himself. Amen. And people ask, why didn't Moses enter the promised land? Because Moses was the bringer of the law, and the law was never supposed to go with us into the promised land of Christ. The law remained on that side. And on this side, where the sun sets free, is free indeed. Oh yeah, this morning. I say this to us because intertwined in your Bibles are these combinations from the Gospels to the Epistles to its combinations of Paul speaking to Jews and to Gentiles. And it's this mixture. And we go, but the Bible says. But what does the Bible say in context of your life? The Bible says many things about many things. But, but not everything is applicable to you. Why? Because many of these things that Jesus said have now been fulfilled at Calvary, at the start of the new covenant. Are you here this morning? So he says what? He says, the young man said to him, all these things I have kept. Look there. He thinks he's doing well. He's perfect. All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? So the Bible is very clear. This man did not find fulfillment in keeping the law because he felt he still lacked something. You see, you have no lack of anything when you have the peace of God that surpasses human understanding. But if you're taught that Christian or the gospel is a message of behavior change or sin management, you're going to feel just like this young businessman. I don't feel I, 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 I'm, I'm complete because I still lack something because I think I haven't arrived somewhere. I don't think I'm, I'm worthy to, to, to spend my father's inheritance because I don't feel good enough. I'm not perfect. And Jesus is trying to get this person and this whole generation in the gospels to get to one point. Where is he trying to get them? To get to the end of themselves. Because it's only when you get to the end of yourself, when you realize, I can't, I've got no more plan B's, plan C's, plan D's. Now I can shift my focus and put my faith in something other than what I was trying to put my faith in. Many Christians today put their faith in crypto, or they put their faith in people, or in pastors, or in churches, or in governments, or in business, or in their wives, or their kids, or their parents, or their, or their culture, or their, 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 their status, or their, their estates, or their, they, 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 they put, their, they put their, their, their trust in all these things, and when those things let them down, and when the economy moves, and when people let them down, they, they become disillusioned, I still lack something. Oh, you lack nothing if you're in Christ, but you have to know that this morning. And I say this to us because this man felt, what do I still lack? It's clear. He says so himself. So Jesus says to him, well, it's very evident that this man is still in control of his life. He's the six I put him under. Maybe Jesus stopped at six to see 
thought maybe this guy will feel guilty at four. But he bumps into this guy and the guy says, no, those six, I've got them under control, Jesus. Never committed adultery, never committed murder. Now we know. Pastor, but I hear people argue with me sometimes. And I say, well, go back a few chapters to Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus is speaking to a whole lot of Jews. He says this to them. He says to the Jews, he says, you've heard it been said, thou shalt not murder. If anyone murders, he says he's guilty of death. But I say to you, if you hate somebody in your heart, it's now murder. He says, you've heard it been said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman or a guy, on Instagram, with no shirt on, with lust in your eye, you're now guilty of adultery. He says, therefore, if you are guilty of murder through anger, he says, chop your hand off. And if you're guilty through adultery, through lust, through looking of your eye, he says, pluck your eye out. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. Why are there no blind Christians in the church and no handless Christians in our church? Can you answer me that? Thank you for your self-righteous answer. I understand that. I would never do that. What is Jesus saying? Do you think he expects you to pull your eye out? Do you think he expects you to chop your hand off? What is he doing? He's taking the law of Moses to the Jews to an impossible standard. And he says, because this guy thought he was doing okay. He thought he was perfect under six laws. So Jesus says, okay, let me up the ante here. Let me increase this law to an impossibility. That is why Jesus at one time says, with man, the law of Moses, it's impossible if you want to be perfect. Amen. He says what? But with God, through my sacrificial blood on Calvary, one day in a few chapters time in your Bible, all things are possible. You see, because perfection was the standard for which a Jew grew up. You have to be perfect under the law. So notice what Jesus says. Listen to what he says. He says what? He says, if you want to be perfect, verse 21. Now he says, now he says, let me increase this man's impossibility. I'm going to take this business guy who's successful, who loves his business. He loves his estate. Which of estate. a boom gate. And it's a security guard. I've got a fingerprint. I'm important. They call me sir when I come through the gate. And I've got a camera. I guess belangrijk. I've done well. I've built up my whole life. I've studied. I've got involved in crypto. I've made money. I get held. And by the way, we don't shop at PEP fashions. You must see my clothes I wear. I identify with Gucci, Versace, not PEP fashions, AC Kermans. I don't shop there. Those were my BC days. And when I fly, I fly business class. And I've got a super duper, super duper, duper duper, super duper card. And when I go to the airport, I go to the free access and I sit in the lounge, not in a hard chair, on the lounge. And I look at those guys on those hard chairs thinking, what are you doing with your life? Aren't we all like that? We all think that's the quest. The quest is to live in this place or to get this thing. And Jesus says, good. He says, what does it help that people know your name? He says, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice that heaven knows you. Why? Because he says, Moth and Russell eat all these things. But if you're in Christ, he says, you are a new creation. And so this young man comes and he says, what? He says, let me take this man's life to an impossible standard. So Jesus says, okay, you think you're perfect through keeping those six laws. Let me increase the ante. He says, if you want to be perfect, Mr. Businessman, he says, then go and sell what you have and give to the poor. Sell everything. He says, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man had heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great many possessions. 
wonder how many sorrowful Christians walk around every day thinking, I'm not good enough because I haven't been able to give everything away because Jesus said I must give everything away to follow him. No, he's not talking to you. I've got good news for you this morning. God does not want you to give everything away. God wants you to be generous. God wants you to be a person who influences people's lives. But he was not talking to you. He was talking to a Jewish businessman. So cut that out of your head this morning. But Jesus, but pastor, doesn't the Bible say in Matthew 5, 48, therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect? Yes, he did. But he's not talking to you. He's talking to a Jew. Why? Because a Jew thought that he had to be perfect just like his father is perfect in heaven. So Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, then be perfect like your father. He says, and you can't. So therefore he goes on to say, now that you realize you can't be perfect in your own humanity, he says, now come unto me. All of you that are burdened and heavy laden with trying to be perfect, and I will give you rest. I will take that hard yoke, that burden of the law of Moses. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. A new commandment I give unto you. Amen. A new commandment that I give unto you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Are you here this morning? Some of you going, Pastor, I don't know so much. I'm here to tell you this morning, let that weight fall off your shoulders. The gospel is a perfect gospel. But the gospel does not expect you to be perfect. Like this young businessman thought he had to be perfect. The gospel says there was a perfect sacrifice. And his name is Christ. And when you are now in Christ, the Bible says what? That you are now being made perfect. Hebrews 10 verse 14. For he has forever, what? Perfected those that are sanctified. Let me say that again. For he has forever, put up the scripture verse please. Hebrews 10 14. For he has forever perfected those, listen there. For by one offering, not many offerings like the law of Moses that a high priest offered animal sacrifice every day. Go watch our seated series. That by one offering, he's not offering it again. Jesus is not getting up and down every day to come and forgive you of your sin. He has forgiven you. Why? Because you're in Christ. The Bible says, for by one offering, He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You are sanctified. You are justified. You, are, you have been perfected. But pastor, I don't act perfectly. I'm not asking if you're acting perfectly because that is your behavior management and mindset. I'm asking you, who are you this morning? Your identity in Christ is you have been perfected. Your identity in Christ is you are whole. Your identity in Christ is you are holy. Your identity in Christ is you are complete. Why? Because if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ and Christ was buried, you were buried. If you're in Christ and Christ rose, you rose. If you if it was made alive. If you're in Christ and Christ rose, you rose. That's why we've been invited to be seated in heavenly places with Christ. Why? My brother, my sister. Because he has forever perfected those. For by one offering, he has forever perfected those that have been made righteous. Are you here this morning? Are you here this morning? Bump your neighbor this morning. Say, this is good news. Bump your neighbor this morning. Say, you're not expected to be perfect. Tell your wife, tell your husband, sorry, honey, I expected you to be perfect. Sorry. You don't have to be perfect. And if she's not cooking perfect, pray in tongues. If her meals is not perfect yet, pray, believe. Things will change. There is Mr. Delivery. It helps. You've been delivered. Amen. Romans 5.19 says this in closing. 
Romans 5.19 says, One man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. Look there. One man, Adam, his disobedience. What was his disobedience? He didn't think that in the place of Eden, in the place of rest, when he was naked and unashamed, and he had everything, he didn't think it was enough. He didn't believe God that it was enough. And God said, wow, you mean you're in this place of perfection and you don't think it's enough? Now we come into Christ and the Bible says you've been perfected and we think I'm not enough. It's the sin of unbelief. The Bible says when you rest in that, the good work I began in you, we are His workmanship. He has begun a good work. He does the work. He's busy working in you. What we do is we rest in that and we allow Him to keep working as we walk out our faith and salvation. So when you go into the highways and you invite your friends to church, when you go to home cell, when you go to work, when you go do your things, we play sport, we trust and we rest in the fact that God is busy in me. And I am not trying to improve myself. He's busy working in me. Why? Because we are His workmanship. Amen. Are you here this morning? Verse 19, the B part says, So also one man's obedience... As one man's disobedience opened the door for humanity to become sinners, one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God. Listen, to be made perfectly right with God. You're not perfect, but you've been made perfectly right and acceptable to Him. You are accepted this morning. But pastor, I've still, I, still, I didn't ask you what you're still doing. I'm not trying to change your behavior. I'm trying to tell you what your identity is. And when you know what your identity is, your behavior will change. Let me say that again. If you know what your identity is, your behavior will change. If you've got a million rand in the bank and you don't know it's your million rand, you're not going to spend it. You're going to think, I wish I had a million rand. But if I tell you you've got a million rand, you're going to change your behavior. Why? Because you now know you have a million rand. See, if I tell you who you are in Christ, and I tell you that you, are, that you are seated, I tell you this morning that you are loved, that you are accepted, that you are complete, that you are forgiven, that you are perfected, that you are righteous, that you are sanctified, that you are justified. If I tell you that, act like that. Why? Because that's who you are. Amen. This is what the Bible says. Romans chapter 5 in closing. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Our faith in Jesus. Listen, our faith in Jesus. There it is. That's all God wants. Faith and belief. Only believe. Believe in the finished work of Christ. Our faith in Jesus transfers, listen, God's righteousness to us. You cannot be righteous by being perfect, by keeping the law. You are righteous because it's been transferred by the shedding of Jesus' blood. It's a gift. And He now declares us flawless in His eyes. Look there. I'm not saying that. Your Bible says that. That's your new identity. You are flawless in His eyes. Because He didn't come to cover your sin like the animal blood sacrifice did. He came to cancel your sin, to remove your sin. John said, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Amen. If you're reminding yourselves of sin, God is not. Amen. Because the Bible said the law is a reminder of sin. The Bible said, But what the law could not do, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and He now declares us flawless in His eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith, there it is, guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. There it is. You have a perfect relationship with God. The gospel is perfect. Even though you and I are not perfect, His sacrifice is perfect and He is perfect. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. 
even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God's cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit lives in us. Verse 6, for when the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now, would anyone dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Thank God. And there is still much more to say of His unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. You will never experience the wrath of God. You will never experience the wrath of God. God placed all of His wrath and anger for man's sinful nature onto Christ. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to Himself through the death of His Son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Adam, Abram was called a friend of God because it wasn't finished yet. We are no longer friends of God. We are now what? Sons and daughters of God. We've been grafted in. You are now heir of the inheritance in Christ. You're not just a friend who knows of someone who's got an inheritance. You are part heir of that inheritance this morning because you're in Christ. The Bible says what? Then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in His resurrection life, how much more we will be rescued from sin's dominion. (laughs) And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living reconciled to God, all because of Jesus Christ. Jump on your feet this morning. And I want you to give Jesus the greatest shout of praise you've given Him this whole week. Come on, give Him a shout of praise all over this place this morning. You're a saint, not a sinner. Come on, give Him a shout of praise. You're a saint, not a sinner. You are righteous this morning. You are justified. You are delivered. You are more than a conqueror. You are sanctified. You are blameless. You are anointed. You are accepted. You are alive. You are holy. You are complete. And you are forgiven. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Come on. Give me one more shout of praise all over this place this morning. That is some good news. Thank you for listening to this powerful message. If your life was impacted in any way and you would want to connect to any of our CRC churches worldwide, then please go visit our website at crccapetown.co.za and click on the Plan a Visit tab. Thank you for listening.